Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another Baseball America Prospects podcast. I'm Kyle Glazer, joined by special guest Teddy Cahill today. It's weird uh, to not be on the college podcast, but to be on the Prospects podcast instead. Well, there's a specific reason for it, and we'll dive into that. Uh, we're here to talk about the Cubs, and let's just get this out in the open, out of the way. This is one of the worst farm systems in baseball, and some of that is through trades and graduations. There's ways teams become the worst farm system in baseball that you can't at least feel happy like you got anything out of. Oh, well, it was great. We graduated. We won something, and now it's just is terrible. The Cubs, it's because they graduated guys. They traded guys. It's just what's left it there's not a whole lot what we've seen under this new cba or the previous new cba the cba the 2012 cba when they changed the draft rules um i i think and the international rules i i think what we've seen is that it's just really hard to be really good both in at the farm level and at the big league level if you win world series if you go to world series and if you throw it all out there and, and and put all your chips in like the Cubs did, you have to give something up. And it's difficult then to backfill it the way that, you know, say the Red Sox were able to, uh, you know, 10 years ago. Now you have to, you throw your chips on the table, you acquire big leaguers, you sign free agents and therefore give up draft picks, give up, you know, international slot money in, in trades or whatever. And suddenly this is what you're left with. You're left with a system that needs some work, and that's fine. You tr- you won stuff. This is the trade-off. Right. You had Chris Bryant. You have Kyle Schwarber. You have Addison Russell. You have Javier Baez. You had a great farm system. The entire purpose of that is to build a potential World Series team. They did that. They won their World Series. They had some guys. We saw Glaber Torres and Eloy Jimenez. They traded Glaber Torres. I- I'm comfortable saying they don't win a World Series without a role as Chapman. And so you make that trade, and... You know, Eloy, we'll see, but you understand it where, you know, Jose Quintana, you get him for three, four more years at the time of the trade. It's something that in order to get talent, you have to give up talent. Um, So the Cubs, I think, look, three straight NLCSs. The talent base is still young. They're fine at the major league level. I do think it's always nice to have potential reinforcements. And right now, you look at the Cubs' top 10, which was put together by, uh, I want to say the late John Manuel, but that makes it sound like he died, which he didn't. He just is no longer with us. Uh, here in uh, at Baseball America. Um, but there, there's a group I, I want to get to. So, you know, everyone out there is seeing Aramis Adaman, Abbrad Azale, Jose Albertos are all, you know, their top three. You know, Adaman's a low-A guy. Albertos is a short-season guy. Uh, Azale, you know, got to double-A, but it's still raw in a lot of ways. There's an interesting group of pitchers, though, with draft pedigree, success at the college level, that you've seen a lot over the years. Uh, Alex Young was the uh, Alex Lang, excuse me, was the highest ranked of them, first rounder this year. What are the odds this guy becomes, you know, more than a back end, but a, an impact, you know, mid rotation guy in the big leagues? You know, I mean, I I think that's something that he theoretically could become. Uh, I mean, there are some flaws. Um, you know, you're you're looking at a guy that. Um, 
you know, I mean, he uh, he had some control issues at, at, at times in his college career, and they ultimately were able to get them on track uh, at LSU with the help of, of pitching coach Alan Dunn. But I think that's something that he's going to have to monitor, um, you know, throughout his career. That he's just going to be one of those guys that you know you kind of have to kind of have to make sure that everything's moving correctly and um, you know that you're understanding your delivery properly so that you can get the command that, that you need and, and that you want. And then the other thing, obviously, is that you know as the signing deadline approached, you know we we assumed that. Alex Lane was just going to sign, but then there was some late drama, um, you know, related, uh, you know, to, to some sort of physical issue, uh, we believe. And, you know, I, he never had any sort of real problems at LSU with that. Uh, but I guess that is something to monitor going forward. It was something that was enough that, of a red flag that, um, you know, they wanted to, to rework his bonus deal. Um, and ultimately, they were able to get that done. But you know, so I mean, that that those are two things as he goes into pro ball that I think you're looking for. But you know, his fastball curveball combination is exceptional. The curveball is is a you know, it's a it's a it's an out pitch for sure. And uh, you know, if he can find a way to to stick on those, um, you know, that's a guy that should be able to move reasonably quickly. And if they're able to, you know, just refine a few other things, I mean, I, you know, I think he could be a guy that, that you're looking at as, as impactful at the big leagues. Yeah, you know, him and then their other, their other first-round pick this year, Brendan Little, another pitcher. And, and last year, Thomas Hatch, who was a third-rounder but was their first pick of the draft. I kind of see that Lang-Little-Hatch group, you know, three advanced college right-handers who could potentially move quickly. And for the Cubs, you look at just the way their roster's made up, it's on the pitching side. They're going to need those reinforcements sooner rather than later. I mean, all three of these guys bring something you can say, hey, that can work in a major league rotation. Uh, just overall, what's your sense? You know, Lang was fifth on our Cubs list. Uh, Little was seventh. Hatch was eighth. But I, I do feel like there's a sense. These are three high pedigree, high success guys. I, I think it would not be a surprise, at least from my vantage point, to see them outperform a good chunk of the guys even ranked ahead of them when all said and done. It's possible. It's completely possible. There's a reason they're ranked where they are, though, and, and they all come with um, warts. Yes. Uh, you know, Thomas Hatch has had Tommy John and, you know, kind of struggled with his command a bit uh, this year in high A, though he had, you know, a fair amount of success. You know, the the 9.1 strikeouts per nine, you know, was, you know, right right up there with the leaders in the Carolina League. But, but you also see an ERA over four. Right. You know, and, and, you know, yes, it's his first full pro season and, and all the caveats there, but... You know, there's a reason he lasted till the third round. There's a reason why he's further back on this list. So that, that's a thing that he's going to have to address going forward. Brendan Little was highly regarded out of high school, could not get on the mound basically at Carolina as a freshman, uh, you know, because of command issues. Went to the Cape, had a very strong Cape, transferred to junior college, uh, you know, was still strong in the spring, and went out and. You know, he uh, did not do so hot in his pro debut. And, I mean, his pro debut, I don't want to get too excited about the fact that he has a 9 ERA and that he gave up 21 hits in 16 innings and, and walked 9. But it's a concern that is valid because of what the past is. He is not as advanced as these other two guys. You know, he, he only, you know, these other guys had multiple years at the Division One level 
Uh, you know, they both pitched in Omaha. They both were aces of their team. They pitched on Friday nights. They did a lot of things that, you know, you look for in a college pitcher. Brendan Little pitched in junior college. He, he didn't really pitch for a year. He basically has a year of a college career, and it was in junior college. And so his it's going to take him a little bit longer. And, you know, his ceiling might be higher, but I think the floor on those other two guys is higher as well. Brendan Little, there are a lot of people that think that's that he'll ultimately wind up in the bullpen. Yeah, but I think I mistakenly accidentally referred to Little as a right-hander earlier. He's a lefty. But, no, and that's one of the interesting things, you know, with him. You mentioned some of those, you know, control issues and not performing at the highest level. Again, I think you should always take pro debuts the year after they sign with a grain of salt because a lot of times guys are exhausted. But... 12 strikeouts, 9 walks, and 16 innings, you know, in his debut. And Yeah, I mean, I'm willing to throw that out. Right. But also, you know, I mean, we see guys that have success there, and, you know, he um, he didn't. And, uh, you know, it, it'll be completely forgotten if he goes out next year in full season ball and finds success. But, you know, for now, um, and especially given his history, and his history is somewhat similar to what happened in pro ball, I think it is something that, that you know just needs to be in everyone's mind that this is a thing he has to work on. I will say, you go back and look at the track record of the Cubs, you know, last top draft picks of the decade. Uh, Javier Baez was picked by the previous regime, but then you go Albert Almora, Chris Bryant, Kyle Schwarber, Ian Happ. It's a, been a very successful run. You know, a lot of the same guys made these picks of Hatch as their first pick. Again, third rounder in 2016, Little their first pick in 2017. Uh, do you think that just given the track record these guys have shown that you give them the benefit of the doubt that, hey, you know, you lean, these guys will work out? If they were hitters, <laughs> what the Cubs do, what this Cubs group does. And, and a lot of these guys are also top 10 picks versus a third rounder and a back end of the first rounder. I mean, what, what this Cubs group has proven to be exceptional at is identifying college hitters. Um and hitters in general, but especially college hitters. You know, Chris Bryant didn't take anything special, but Kyle Schwarber, when he was picked fourth overall, there were that was shocking. That that was not that everyone looked at that and, and thought, what is happening here? And no, the Cubs the Cubs knew what they were doing. Ian Happ was somewhat divisive, um, and he has been very successful. You know, he hit what, 24 homers, 25 homers in the big leagues this year? Got to the majors uh, two years after he was drafted and pumped 20. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, uh, he's he been very successful. So what they're really, really good at is finding hitters. What they haven't proven themselves so good at yet is identifying pitching. And whether that's on the draft or the development side, I don't know. Um, but, you know, they tried really, really hard in 16 to find pitchers. If you go and you look at their 16 draft – it is nothing but college pitching, essentially. Um, so far, those guys aren't doing so great. You know, Hatch is top 10. Um, Bailey Clark struggled. I, I'm pretty sure Hatch is the only one of those guys that made the handbook this year. I'm not 100% on that. Um, so, you know, time will tell on that, certainly. Uh, and, and then again, in, in 17, they, they made a concerted effort on pitching and um, you know, in Lane and Little at, at the top of the draft. So we'll see if they figured out how to get pitching. It's a thing that they need in their system. And, you know, that the fact that they didn't have it is part of the reason why they've made some of the trades they, they made in the last two years. You know, I mean, they needed Jose Quintana. They needed, they needed to sign free agent pitching. They needed to acquire it in any way. And 
you know, so if, if the draft and the system can start producing some of that for them, it would go a long way to helping the system and the big league club and the organization as a whole. Yeah, you know, you make that point 2016. Oh, they went Tom Hatch won. They went Tyson Miller out of California Baptist, their second pick. He went out, you know, had a 4.48 ERA. Uh, struggled with his uh, control uh, a little bit, um, but mostly, you know, control. But the walk rate wasn't exceptionally high, but there's a lot of wild pitches. There's some hit-by-pitches. You know, you move down, you mentioned Bailey Clark didn't do great. Uh, Chad Hawken out of Cal State Fullerton was their uh, six-round six pick. And uh, in general, you're right. It's a very, very interesting uh, you know, way to look at the Cubs and what they've developed, what they failed to develop. And right now, uh, you you see those guys, and there are some guys up top. I mean, look, Adbert Alzelay got to double A, shows you really good stuff. You know, he's also a guy that right now there's still not a ton of conviction on starter versus bullpen just because the lack of a second-plus pitch. Um, you, you move down into, you know, Jose Albertos, you know, another guy who shows you some promising things. He's going to be making the jump to low Class A this year. He's years away. Move down even a little further, you know, Oscar De La Cruz, this is a guy that some people have felt like has the stuff to be potentially the number one guy in the system, and he's missed big parts of the last two seasons with injuries. So on the one hand, you have this hole. They've clearly tried to address it. It's not like they have been lacking pitching and they've said, ah, oh, we're fine, and, and you know, lied to themselves about what they actually have. And you'd be amazed how many organizations I see do that. Um, they're trying to address it. And look, this is a pitching-heavy top 10 for the Cubs. At the same time, there's not a lot of conviction that this is a group that will, you know, as soon as Lackey and Lester and all of them are done, is this going to be the group that, you know, brings the Cubs back and has a competing for World Series? Probably not. I, I, again, you know, I think when you see the Prospect Handbook come out, the Cubs are not the worst system in baseball, but they are one of the worst. And, and we had this discussion the other day. The number 30 system is going to be the Seattle Mariners. Just because there's outside of the this top... This is what happens when Jerry DePoto trades away every prospect immediately upon acquiring them. Again, there are different ways, there are different uses for your system. His is to acquire prospects or players at the big league level because they are desperately trying to win right now and that you know we'll see how it works out they they are going to put together a team this year and try and end baseball's longest playoff drought but while the Mariners have a worse system top to bottom the Mariners top three of Kyle Lewis Evan White Sam Carlson you probably take that top three over the Cubs top three of Aramis Adamant Adbert Azale Jose Albertos and that was something you know we all agreed here in the office so it, it kind of comes down to you could argue that the Cubs have the least amount of potential impact in their system, even though there is some depth. You know, you go down, uh, you know, Dylan Maples is outside the top 10. That's a pretty good relief prospect who might have a chance. Corey Abbott uh, was another guy that they drafted this year to address their pitching struggles. Had a huge year at Loyola Marymount. First, uh, first perfect game in school history. You know, he's outside the top 10, but he's a real guy. So there are some guys here. DJ Wilson. DJ Wilson, another guy. Uh, you know, for you, I mean, when I look at the system, I don't see a lack of depth, but I do see a lack of impact. Yeah, I mean, I think that we're waiting on some of these guys to pop. You know, I mean, I know that there's kind of been some feeling about some of these guys that are outside the top 10 or even in the top 10 that, you know, like there's, you're just waiting for them to break out. Like, you know, to go back to Brendan Little, you're just waiting for him to, to, 
to hit on it all, you know, put it all together, and he could shoot up this list. You know, I, I, I you look at DJ Wilson's athleticism. You know, I mean, I, I know there's probably always going to be some impact questions based on his size, but you know, I mean, if he can put it all together, you know, there, there's something there. You know, and you mentioned Dylan Maples. I, I view kind of the same way. So, you know, when you have, I, I don't know. I, I like. I think I would prefer to have the Cubs depth because there's more opportunities there. If we're talking about just the Mariners' top three, you know, if Kyle Lewis never comes back from his knee injuries, right. suddenly you've lost your one of only three tickets or whatever. You know, the Cubs have more chances. So there's more chance that somebody pops, whether it's one of the guys we've talked about or, or, or somebody else. Um, you know, so I, I feel better about that kind of depth, and I think it is there. Um, you know, it, it's just a matter of figuring out who is going to take that next step forward. No question. I, I want to circle back to DJ Wilson a little bit because you're right. This is a guy that has intrigued. You know, fourth rounder, Ohio. Sometimes we see Midwest colder weather guys take a little bit longer Shout out to Ohio develop. Baseball. Um, but by the same token, you're talking about a guy who you know has moved level by level. You know. Rookie ball, spent all 2016 short season, made his way to South Bend 2017. It's a 229, 309, 419 slash line. Uh, you know, just 20 all season, so slightly below league average for low A, but it's not like this is a guy who there's a, a building track record you could say, okay, we think something's clicking. It might still, you know, especially, you know, 5'8, 177. It's not like he's this physical, projectable guy who's going to grow into his body and it'll all click. I think there's still a little, you, you mentioned, guys who could pop, at a certain point you need to see some of the performance start to tick forward. And while there have been some guys like that, I do think it starts getting risky when you're talking about guys who, you know, have yet to cross low A, have career slash lines of 248, 319, 410. And yet you're still talking about the guy who's the best athlete and the fastest runner in the system. There are tools there. Um, he you know, as you mentioned, is an Ohio kid, and, you know, I mean, he went to high school in Cannes, Ohio, which is, you know, not known for its baseball producingness. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's not a hotbed. Um, shout out Northeast Ohio high school baseball again. Um, but he, when you have, he, he was raw in the draft. He's a little, he's always been difficult to figure out. And you're right, it, it hasn't clicked yet. And you're getting to the point where, you know, you almost have to be concerned. But, you know, again, I mean, I know the system isn't great, but when, when you look at best tools and you see him as best athlete, I mean, that still means something to me. And so, I mean, I, I think there still is some reason uh, to be optimistic about him. And, um, you know, I, it's a weird profile. Bottom line, it's a weird profile, and he hasn't hit in pro ball, so it's it's hard to see it right now. But you know, I I I'm not giving up on him yet, and that's completely fair. I don't think it's ever wise to give up on on twenty twenty year olds uh, in low A. Uh, overall, again, I want to circle back. You know, while we're talking about the Cubs system and talking about the poor quality of it overall, I, I do want to go back to in a way, it's okay. Because, again, they had a great system. They got those guys to the big leagues. And, hey, we talked about those early successes they had. Those were all top 10 picks. They haven't been picking in the top 10 the last couple of years. So you're obviously not going to, for the most part, you know, Mike Trout's the world accepted, going to be getting as strong of players when you're picking 27, 29, or in the case of last year, not until the third round when you have four straight top 10 picks. 
all those guys, you know, they've made the majors. They've played a role in getting these guys, you know, the, the Cubs a World Series ring. Even the young, you know, whether it was beyond Eli and Glaber, you know, Dylan Cease was used in the Jose Quintana trade too. I mean, they've been using these, you know, guys for real major league pieces. I, I think the one you can kind of look at, and it clearly did not go well for them, was when they traded Isaac Paredes and Jaimar Candelario to the Tigers this year uh, for Justin Wilson, hoping that Justin Wilson would provide some left-handed relief help. Instead, he posted a, a 5.09 ERA in uh, 23 relief appearances. And look, I think anytime you trade prospects for you know relievers who we know there's a, a high variance in how they perform, it's risky. I mean, again, Wilson walked uh, 19 guys compared to 25 strikeouts in well, and it's 17 crazy. two-thirds if you, innings. If you just go back into July and think about it, Justin Wilson was like the lefty on the market. And, you know, that it turned out not to be a year where you had Andrew Miller and Aroldis Chapman on the market. Right. That said, he you know it's not like the Cubs had him and then he's gone this year in free agency. They get him for another year, third year of our eligibility. So maybe he comes back full season and he returns to his you know previous form that he'd shown uh, with the Tigers and, and even the Yankees to a degree. But overall, you know what the Cubs? I, I don't think the fact that they have a farm system that is struggling right now means there's lean years ahead. They still have an excellent core. I just think you know again. You mentioned guys popping, whether that's Little, whether that's De La Cruz stays healthy, whether that's, you know, Adbert Azale, who shot up to double A this year, gets, you know, develops a step further. Even if, I think if, as you look at it, seven of their top nine prospects are pitchers. If two of them develop, pop, something good happens, that that's a significant reinforcement. It is. And, um, you know, it's important for them that that's what their farm system mostly is looking at right now at, at the at the high end of it because the hitters are all young the pitchers are not you know lackey and lester are not going to be there uh you know forever they're you, you you need the pitching wave now and whether that wave is truly a wave or whether it's just some pieces that fill in um, you know, ideally important pieces, uh, but just, just some pieces that fill in, and then the Cubs can you know trade or, or free agency or, or use whatever means to to fill the rest of it. You know, that's fine. But where they are as a team right now is they have a lot of young hitters, and so they don't. Uh, that that might be what they're really good at developing, but what they need now is some young pitching. And I mean, I think you know, you look to the future. You mentioned those older guys won't be there. Kyle Hendricks is 27. Jose Quintana is 28. Eddie Butler came around and, and did really nice work from last year's 26. So, again, it's where I go back to. They don't need five of these guys right. to make an entire new rotation. They just get... They did win a division this year. Like, they, right. they clearly was <laughs> they a They made the NLCS. Team. <laughs> Three straight NLCSs. They're fine. Um, but clearly, I think... The system uh, could use a little bit of a reboot. And, you know, you mentioned 2016 and 2017, they've gone really pitcher heavy. I could absolutely see, see them doing the same thing in 2018 and just loading up again on pitchers. Yeah, and, I mean, I think right now the, the other good news is, you know, they didn't lose any draft picks a year ago. Um, you know, I don't really see them being playing on the kind of free agents this year that would cost them draft picks. They certainly haven't so far. Um, you know, so – and they even had an extra – pick a year ago so you know after a a year in which they didn't pick until the third round they get an extra first round pick in 17 their 18 draft should remain intact you would you would have to think so 
Um, you know, they're in a position now, and, and I believe they're coming out of uh, international uh, limits. So they're in a position now where they can you know, do some of the things they need to do to, to restock. Absolutely. Well, Cubs fans, it's all good. Don't freak out. You'll be all right. I think that'll about do it for this edition of uh, Baseball America Prospects Podcast. I'm Kyle Glazer, Teddy Cahill. Thanks for tuning in, everybody.